section twenty one of psychology of the unconscious by carl jung this librivox recording is in the public domain section twenty one chapter six part one the battle for deliverance from the mother there now comes a pause in the production of visions by miss miller then the activity of the unconscious is resumed very energetically a forest with trees and bushes appears after the discussions in the preceding chapter there is need only of a hint that the symbol of the forest coincides essentially with the meaning of the holy tree the holy tree is found generally in a sacred forest enclosure or in the garden of paradise the sacred grove often takes the place of the taboo tree and assumes all the attributes of the latter the erotic symbolism of the garden is generally known the forest like the tree has mythologically a maternal significance in the vision which now follows the forest furnishes the stage upon which the dramatic representation of the end of chewantable is played this act therefore takes place in or near the mother first i will give the beginning of the drama as it is in the original text up to the first attempt at sacrifice at the beginning of the next chapter the reader will find the continuation the monologue and the sacrificial scene the drama begins as follows the personage chewantapal came from the south on horseback around him a cloak of vivid colors red blue and white an indian in a costume of doeskin covered with beads and ornamented with feathers advances squats down and prepares to let fly an arrow at chewantapal the latter presents his breast in an attitude of defiance and the indian fascinated by that sight slinks away and disappears within the forest the hero chewantapal appears on horseback this fact seems of importance because as the further course of the drama shows see chapter eight the horse plays no indifferent role but suffers the same death as the hero and is even called faithful brother by the latter these allusions point to a remarkable similarity between horse and rider there seems to exist an intimate connection between the two which guides them to the same destiny we already have seen that the symbolization of the libido in resistance through the terrible mother in some places runs parallel with the horse strictly speaking it would be incorrect to say that the horse is or means the mother the mother idea is a libido symbol and the horse is also a libido symbol and at some points the two symbols intersect in their significances the common feature of the two ideas lies in the libido especially in the libido repressed from incest the hero and the horse appear to us in this setting like an artistic formation of the idea of humanity with its repressed libido whereby the horse acquires the significance of the animal unconscious which appears domesticated and subjected to the will of man agni upon the ram wotan upon 
sleipnir aher mazda upon angromania yahweh upon the monstrous seraph christ upon the ass dionysus upon the ass mithra upon the horse man upon the human-footed horse freer upon the golden bristle boar etc are parallel representations the chargers of mythology are always invested with great significance they very often appear anthropomorphized thus men's horse has human forelegs balaam's ass human speech the retreating bull upon whose back mithra springs in order to strike him down is according to a persian legend actually the god himself the mock crucifix of the palatine represents the crucified with an ass's head perhaps in reference to the ancient legend that in the temple of jerusalem the image of an ass was worshipped as drossel bart horse's mane wotan is half human half horse an old german riddle very prettily shows this unity between horse and horseman who are the two who travel two thing together they have three eyes ten feet and one tail and thus they travel over the land legends ascribe properties to the horse which psychologically belong to the unconscious of man horses are clairvoyant and clairaudient they show the way when the lost wanderer is helpless they have mantic powers in the iliad the horse prophesies evil they hear the words which the corpse speaks when it is taken to the grave words which men cannot hear caesar learned from his human-footed horse probably taken from the identification of caesar with the phrygian men that he was to conquer the world an ass prophesied to augustus the victory of actium the horse also sees phantoms all these things correspond to typical manifestations of the unconscious therefore it is perfectly intelligible that the horse as the image of the wicked animal component of man has manifold connections with the devil the devil has a horse's foot in certain circumstances a horse's form at crucial moments he suddenly shows a cloven foot proverbial in the same way as in the abduction of hadding sleipnir suddenly looked out from behind wotan's mantle just as the nightmare rides on the sleeper so does the devil and therefore it is said that those who have nightmares are ridden by the devil in persian lore the devil is the steed of god the devil like all evil things represents sexuality witches have intercourse with him in which case he appears in the form of a goat or horse the unmistakably phallic nature of the devil is communicated to the horse as well hence this symbol occurs in connections where this is the only meaning which would furnish an explanation it is to be mentioned that loki generates in the form of a horse just as does the devil when in horse's form as an old fire god thus the lightning was represented theoromorphically as a horse an uneducated hysteric told me that as a child she had suffered from extreme fear of thunder because every time the lightning flashed 
she saw immediately afterwards a huge black horse reaching upwards as far as the sky it is said in a legend that the devil as the divinity of lightning casts a horse's foot lightning upon the roofs in accordance with the primitive meaning of thunder as fertilizer of the earth the phallic meaning is given both to lightning and the horse's foot in mythology the horse's foot really has the phallic function as in this dream an uneducated patient who originally had been violently forced to coitus by her husband very often dreams after separation that a wild horse springs upon her and kicks her in the abdomen with his hind foot plutarch has given us the following words of a prayer from the dionysus orgies in greek come o dionysus in thy temple of ellis come with the graces into thy holy temple come in sacred frenzy with the bull's foot pegasus with his foot strikes out of the earth the spring hippogreen upon a corinthian statue of bellerophon which was also a fountain the water flowed out from the horse's hoof baldur's horse gave rise to a spring through his kick thus the horse's foot is the dispenser of fruitful moisture a legend of lower austria told by jans informs us that a gigantic man on a white horse is sometimes seen riding over the mountains this means a speedy rain in the german legend the goddess of birth frau halle appears on horseback pregnant women near confinement are prone to give oats to a white horse from their aprons and to pray him to give them a speedy delivery it was originally the custom for the horse to rub against the woman's genitals the horse like the ass had in general the significance of a priapic animal horses tracks are idols dispensing blessing and fertility horses tracks established a claim and were of significance in determining boundaries like the priaps of latin antiquity like the phallic dactyli a horse opened the mineral riches of the hart's mountains with his hoof the horseshoe an equivalent for horse's foot brings luck and as apotropaic meaning in the netherlands an entire horse's foot is hung up in the stable to ward against sorcery the analogous effect of the phallus is well known hence the phalli at the gates in particular the horse's leg turned lightning aside according to the principle similia similibus horses also symbolize the wind that is to say the tertium comparationis is again the libido symbol the german legend recognizes the wind as the wild huntsman in pursuit of the maiden stormy regions frequently derive their names from horses as the white horse mountain of the luneburger heath the centaurs are typical wind gods and have been represented as such by berkland's artistic intuition horses also signify fire and light the fiery horses of helios are an example the horses of hector are called xanthos yellow bright bordogos swift-footed lampos shining and ithon burning a very pronounced fire symbolism was represented by the mystic quadriga mentioned by dio chrysostomus the supreme god always drives his chariot in a circle 
four horses are harnessed to the chariot the horse driven on the periphery moves very quickly he has a shining coat and bears upon it the signs of the planets and the zodiac this is a representation of the rotary fire of heaven the second horse moves more slowly and is illuminated only on one side the third moves still more slowly and the fourth rotates around himself but once the outer horse set the second horse on fire with his fiery breath and the third flooded the fourth with his streaming sweat then the horses dissolve and pass over into the substance of the strongest and most fiery which now becomes the charioteer the horses also represent the four elements the catastrophe signifies the conflagration of the world and the deluge whereupon the division of the god into many parts ceases and the divine unity is restored doubtless the quadriga may be understood astronomically as a symbol of time we already saw in the first part that the stoic representation of fate is a fire symbol it is therefore a logical continuation of the thought when time closely related to the conception of destiny exhibits this same libido symbolism brihadaranyaka upanishad one one says the morning glow verily is the head of the sacrificial horse the sun his eye the wind his breath the all-spreading fire his mouth the ear is the belly of the sacrificial horse the sky is his back the atmosphere the cavern of his body the earth the vault of his belly the poles are his sides in between the poles his ribs the seasons his limbs the months and fortnights his joints days and nights are his feet stars his bones clouds his flesh the food he digests is the deserts the rivers are his veins the mountains his liver and lungs the herbs and trees his hair the rising sun is his forepart the setting sun his afterpart the ocean is his kinsman the sea his cradle the horse undoubtedly here stands for a time symbol and also for the entire world we come across in the mithraic religion a strange god of time ion called chronos or deos leontocephalus because his stereotype representation is a lion-headed man who standing in a rigid attitude is encoiled by a snake whose head projects forward from behind over the lion's head the figure holds in each hand a key on the chest rests a thunderbolt upon his back are the four wings of the wind in addition to that the figure sometimes bears the zodiac on his body additional attributes are a cock and implements in the carolingian psalter of utrecht which is based upon ancient models the cyculum ion is represented as a naked man with a snake in his hand as is suggested by the name of the divinity he is a symbol of time most interestingly composed from libido symbols the lion the zodiac sign of the greatest summer heat is the symbol of the most mighty desire my soul roars with the voice of a hungry lion says mechthild of magdeburg in the mithra mystery the serpent is often antagonistic to the lion corresponding to that very universal myth of the battle of the sun with the dragon in the egyptian book of the dead tum is even designated as a he-cat because as such he fought the snake apophis 
the encoiling also means the engulfing the entering into the mother's womb thus time is defined by the rising and setting of the sun that is to say through the death and renewal of the libido the addition of the cock again suggests time and the addition of implements suggests the creation through time bergson oromazdes and araman were produced through zerwana karana the infinitely long duration time this empty and purely formal concept is expressed in the mysteries by transformations of the creative power the libido macrobius says in latin the present time is indicated by the head of the lion because his condition is strong and impetuous philo of alexandria has a better understanding in latin time is thought by the wickedest people to be a divinity who deprives willing people of the central being by good men it is considered to be the cause of the things of the world but to the wisest and best it does not seem time but god in ferduci time is often the symbol of fate the libido nature of which we have already learned to recognize the hindu text mentioned above includes still more its symbol of the horse contains the whole world his kinsman and his cradle is the sea the mother similar to the world soul the maternal significance of which we have seen above just as ion represents the libido in an embrace that is to say in the state of death and of rebirth so here the cradle of the horse is the sea that is the libido is in the mother dying and rising again like the symbol of the dying and resurrected christ who hangs like ripe fruit upon the tree of life we have already seen that the horse is connected through yggdrasil with the symbolism of the tree the horse is also a tree of death thus in the middle ages the funeral pyre was called st michael's horse and the neo-persian word for coffin means wooden horse the horse has also the role of psychopompus he is the steed to conduct the souls to the other world horsewomen fetch the souls valkyries neo-greek songs represent charon on a horse these definitions obviously lead to the mother symbolism the trojan horse was the only means by which the city could be conquered because only he who has entered the mother and been reborn is an invincible hero the trojan horse is a magic charm like the nodfire which also serves to overcome necessity the formula evidently reads in order to overcome the difficulty thou must commit incest and once more be born from thy mother it appears that striking a nail into the sacred tree signifies something very similar the stock m eisen in vienna seems to have been such a palladium still another symbolic form is to be considered occasionally the devil rides upon a three-legged horse the goddess of death hell in time of pestilence also rides upon a three-legged horse the gigantic ass which is three-legged stands in the heavenly rain lake Vurukasha. his urine purifies the water of the lake and from his roar all useful animals become pregnant and all harmful animals miscarry the triad further points to the phallic significance 
the contrasting symbolism of hell is blended into one conception in the ass of Urukasha. the libido is fructifying as well as destroying these definitions as a whole plainly reveal the fundamental features the horse is a libido symbol partly of phallic partly of maternal significance like the tree it represents the libido in this application that is the libido repressed through the incest prohibition in the miller drama an indian approaches the hero ready to shoot an arrow at him chawantapal however with a proud gesture exposes his breast to the enemy this idea reminds the author of the scene between cassius and brutus in shakespeare's julius caesar a misunderstanding has arisen between the two friends when brutus reproaches cassius for withholding from him the money for the legions cassius irritable and angry breaks out into the complaint come antony and young octavius come revenge yourselves alone on cassius for cassius is a weary of the world hated by one he loves braved by his brother checked like a bondman all his faults observed set in a notebook learned and conned by rote to cast into my teeth oh i could weep my spirit from mine eyes there is my dagger and here my naked breast within a heart dearer than plutus mine richer than gold if that thou beest a roman take it forth i that denied thee gold will give my heart strike as thou didst at caesar for i know when thou didst hate him worst thou lovest him better than ever thou lovest cassius the material here would be incomplete without mentioning the fact that this speech of cassius shows many analogies to the agonized delirium of cyrano compare part one only cassius is far more theatrical and overdrawn something childish and hysterical is in his manner brutus does not think of killing him but administers a very chilling rebuke in the following dialogue brutus sheathe your dagger be angry when you will it shall have scope do what you will dishonour shall be humour o cassius you are yoked with a lamb that carries anger as the flint bears fire who much in force shows a hasty spark and straight is cold again cassius hath cassius lived to be but mirth and laughter to his brutus when grief and blood ill-tempered vexeth him brutus when i spoke that i was ill-tempered too cassius do you confess so much give me your hand brutus and my heart too cassius o oh, brutus brutus what's the matter cassius have not you love enough to bear with me when that rash humour which my mother gave me makes me forgetful brutus yes cassius and from thenceforth when you are over earnest with your brutus he'll think your mother chides and leave you so the analytic interpretation of cassius's irritability plainly reveals that at these moments he identifies himself with the mother and his conduct therefore is truly feminine as his speech demonstrates most excellently for his womanish love-seeking and desperate subjection under the proud masculine will of brutus calls forth the friendly remark of the latter that cassius is yoked with a lamb that is to say has something very weak in his character 
which is derived from the mother one recognizes in this without any difficulty the analytic hallmarks of an infantile disposition which as always is characterized by a prevalence of the parent imago here the mother imago an infantile individual is infantile because he has freed himself insufficiently or not at all from the childish environment that is from his adaptation to his parents therefore on one side he reacts falsely towards the world as a child towards his parents always demanding love and immediate reward for his feelings on the other side on account of the close connection to the parents he identifies himself with them the infantile individual behaves like the father and mother he is not in a condition to live for himself and to find the place to which he belongs therefore brutus very justly takes it for granted that the mother chides in cassius not he himself the psychologically valuable fact which we gather here is the information that cassius is infantile and identified with the mother the hysterical behaviour is due to the circumstance that cassius is still in part a lamb and an innocent and entirely harmless child he remains as far as his emotional life is concerned still far behind himself this we often see among people who as masters apparently govern life and fellow-creatures they remain children in regard to the demands of their love nature the figures of the miller dramas being children of the creator's fantasy depict as is natural those traits of character which belong to the author the hero the wish figure is represented as most distinguished because the hero always combines in himself all wished-for ideals cyrano's attitude is certainly beautiful and impressive cassius's behaviour has a theatrical effect both heroes prepare to die effectively in which attempt cyrano succeeds this attitude betrays a wish for death in the unconscious of our author the meaning of which we have already discussed at length as the motive for her poem of the moth the wish of young girls to die is only an indirect expression which remains a pose even in case of real death for death itself can be a pose such an outcome merely adds beauty and value to the pose under certain conditions that the highest summit of life is expressed through the symbolism of death is a well-known fact for creation beyond oneself means personal death the coming generation is the end of the preceding one this symbolism is frequent in erotic speech the lascivious speech between lucius and the wanton servant-maid in apuleius metamorphosis book two thirty two is one of the clearest examples in latin fight she said and fight bravely for i will not give away an inch nor turn my back face to face come on if you are a man strike home do your worst and die the battle this day is without quarter till weary in body and mind we lie powerless and gasping for breath in each other's arms this symbolism is extremely significant because it shows how easily a contrasting expression originates and how equally intelligible and characteristic such an expression is the proud gesture with which the hero 
offers himself to death may very easily be an indirect expression which challenges the pity or sympathy of the other and thus is doomed to the calm analytic reduction to which brutus proceeds the behaviour of chewantipal is also suspicious because the cassius scene which serves as its model betrays indiscreetly that the whole affair is merely infantile and one which owes its origin to an overactive mother imago when we compare this piece with the series of mother symbols brought to light in the previous chapter we must say that the cassius scene merely confirms once more what we have long supposed that is to say that the motor power of these symbolic visions arises from an infantile mother transference that is to say from an undetached bond to the mother in the drama the libido in contradistinction to the inactive nature of the previous symbols assumes a threatening activity a conflict becoming evident in which the one part threatens the other with murder the hero as the ideal image of the dreamer is inclined to die he does not fear death in accordance with the infantile character of this hero it would most surely be time for him to take his departure from the stage or in childish language to die death is to come to him in the form of an arrow wound considering the fact that heroes themselves are very often great archers or succumb to an arrow wound saint sebastian as an example it may not be superfluous to inquire into the meaning of death through an arrow we read in the biography of the stigmatized nun catherine emmerich the following description of the evidently neurotic sickness of her heart when only in her novitiate she received as a christmas present from the holy christ a very tormenting heart trouble for the whole period of her nun's life god showed her inwardly the purpose it was on account of the decline of the spirit of the order especially for the sins of her fellow-sisters but what rendered this trouble most painful was the gift which she had possessed from youth namely to see before her eyes the inner nature of man as he really was she felt the heart trouble physically as if her heart was continually pierced by arrows these arrows and this represented the still worse mental suffering she recognized as the thoughts plots secret speeches misunderstandings scandal and uncharitableness in which her fellow-sisters wholly without reason and unscrupulously were engaged against her and her god-fearing way of life it is difficult to be a saint because even a patient and long-suffering nature will not readily bear such a violation and defends itself in its own way the companion of sanctity is temptation without which no true saint can live we know from analytic experience that these temptations can pass unconsciously so that only their equivalents would be produced in consciousness in the form of symptoms we know that it is proverbial that heart and smart hurts and schmerz rhyme it is a well-known fact that hysterics put a physical pain in place of a mental pain the biographer of emmerich 
has comprehended that very correctly only her interpretation of the pain is as usual projected it is always the others who secretly assert all sorts of evil things about her and this she pretended gave her the pains the case however bears a somewhat different aspect the very difficult renunciation of all life's joys this death before the bloom is generally painful and especially painful are the unfulfilled wishes and the attempts of the animal nature to break through the power of repression the gossip and jokes of the sisters very naturally centre around these most painful things so that it must appear to the saint as if her symptoms were caused by this naturally again she could not know that gossip tends to assume the role of the unconscious which like a clever adversary always aims at the actual gaps in our armour a passage from gautama buddha embodies this idea a wish earnestly desired produced by will and nourished when gradually it must be thwarted burrows like an arrow in the flesh the wounding and painful errors do not come from without through gossip which only attacks externally but they come from ambush from our own unconscious this rather than anything external creates the defenceless suffering it is our own repressed and unrecognized desires which fester like arrows in our flesh in another connection this was clear to the nun and that most literally it is a well-known fact and one which needs no further proof to those who understand that these mystic scenes of union with the saviour generally are intermingled with an enormous amount of sexual libido therefore it is not astonishing that the scene of the stigmata is nothing but an incubation through the saviour only slightly changed metaphorically as compared with the ancient conception of unio mystica as cohabitation with the god emmerich relates the following of her stigmatization i had a contemplation of the sufferings of christ and implored him to let me feel with him his sorrows and prayed five paternosters to the honour of the five sacred wounds lying on my bed with outstretched arms i entered into a great sweetness and into an endless thirst for the torments of jesus then i saw a light descending upon me it came obliquely from above it was a crucified body living and transparent with arms extended but without a cross the wounds shone brighter than the body they were five circles of glory coming forth from the whole glory i was enraptured and my heart was moved with great pain and yet with sweetness from longing to share in the torments of my saviour and my longings for the sorrows of the redeemer increased more and more on gazing on his wounds and passed from my breast through my hands sides and feet to his holy wounds then from the hands then from the sides then from the feet of the figure threefold shining red beams ending below in an arrow shot forth to my hands sides and feet the beams in accordance with the phallic fundamental thought are threefold terminating below in an arrow point like cupid the sun too has its quiver full of destroying or fertilizing arrows sun rays with possessed phallic meaning on this significance evidently rests the oriental custom of designating brave sons as arrows and javelins of the parents to make sharp arrows is an arabian expression 
for to generate brave sons the psalms declare one hundred and twenty seven four like as the arrows in the hands of the giant even so are the young children compare with this the remarks previously made about boys because of this significance of the arrow it is intelligible why the scythian king ariantes when he wished to prepare a census demanded an arrowhead from each man a similar meaning attaches equally to the lance men are descended from the lance because the ash is the mother of lances therefore the men of the iron age are derived from her the marriage custom to which ovid alludes comat virginius hostilicura comus fastorum book two five sixty has already been mentioned caeneas issued a command that his lance be honoured pindar relates in the legend of this caeneas he descended into the depths splitting the earth with a straight foot he is said to have originally been a maiden named cynus who because of her complaisance was transformed into an invulnerable man by poseidon ovid pictures the battle of the epithi with the invulnerable caeneas how at last they covered him completely with trees because they could not otherwise touch him ovid says at this place in latin the result is doubtful the body borne down by the weight of the forest is carried into empty tartarus ampicides denies this from out of the midst of the mass he sees a bird with tawny feathers issue into the liquid air Russia considers this bird to be the golden plover charodrius pluialis which borrows its name from the fact that it lives in the zapathotha a crevice in the earth by his song he proclaims the approaching rain caeneas was changed into this bird End of section twenty one